We're good. Who is hungry tonight? Yeah. You know, hunger pulls on the anointing. I don't know if you guys know that, but people are hungry. When you come hungry, it's like there's something. It's such a, it's just a difference. Um, and I love, I feel like the hunger just keeps growing and growing uh, in this community. And it's, it's just amazing to see from my perspective. Um, so it's pretty, pretty awesome. I'm, uh, I'm excited for tonight. We're going to close up our prayer series. I was hoping that someone would boo, but maybe next year when we do the prayer series, you can boo. No, we're going to close it, and uh, I'm ex- it's, been a, it's been an awesome, I think this is our like fifth or sixth week doing this. It's been an awesome six weeks, and I feel like we've really, at least from my, my perspective, there's been a lot of fruit to this. So has there been fruit in your lives? All right, good. Eight of you have had fruit, so... Goodness, thank you, Lord. All right, you can turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to pray, then we'll get going. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is on the move, that Aslan's on the move in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our city, in our jobs, in our workplaces, God, in our schools, in our campuses, in our universities. You're on the move, and that the answer is, to all the brokenness we see is us. We thank you, God, that we have your Holy Spirit. And I pray tonight will be an activating night, God, that we will leave here with something stirring inside of us, God, with an excitement in our hearts for what are you going to do this week through us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I preached on uh, receiving in prayer, receiving prayer, learning to receive inspiration and craft a prayer rather than create my, uh, my art piece last week, which I made three bucks on that, by the way, so I might do that more. It might not even be pertinent to what I'm preaching on, but uh, if you keep putting dollar bills up there, that would be great. I think I got like half a foot long last week, so <laughs> praise Jesus. Um, so that, is, uh, that, is, that was you know, a message on intimacy and, and really learning what does it mean to be intimate, what does it mean to receive inspiration, receive his love, and hear his voice. It's in a silent place of solitude. And I said that it's intimacy and then ministry. Uh, so last week was on intimacy. Tonight I'm going to preach on prayer, specifically prayer ministry, uh, specifically on prophetic ministry and healing prayer ministry. Um, and the reason I'm going to do it is because it's basically a natural overflow from last week. Uh, what last week is very much the posture and what you draw from in, uh, as you come to engage in ministry. So if you're 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, I'm going to start by reading a verse in a second. Uh, the most, there's a, there's a man, a missionary, uh, I just met some friends that are actually, they were with him as well here tonight. Uh, his name is Roland Baker, they have a beautiful ministry in Mozambique, Africa, and Global now, but it's called Iris, Iris Global. And uh, I remember one day, it was probably one of the biggest treasures that I took away from my entire time in Africa, and one day he was, he was preaching, and he, he's this very brilliant, gifted theologian, and he said something that just pierced my heart. He said, guys, never forget the most important thing, the most valuable thing that you have in your life, in this life is your relationship with Jesus. So it is the most precious thing that you have. And I very much believe and affirm that, that the, the validity of that statement. And I believe that our history with God is the most precious thing that we have. Uh, probably on my possession list, my material possessions, it's not my Bible, it's actually my journals. If I were to lose my journals, I would be devastated because those are the, my my chronicles of my history with God. I can go back almost a decade now uh, and look back and I remember certain things and I remember days and I remember things that I wrote um, in my relationship with Jesus and that is my joy. That's the, the greatest gift that we have. And history is developed with God through time spent in his presence. Uh, it's not necessarily just time and time in his presence. Time investing, like last week, into intimacy. Time with his voice. And we begin to cultivate this treasure house of, of a relationship. We have these memories. We have these miracles. We have these times he provided. We have these times when he comforted. We have these times when he showed up. We have these times when we were disappointed, right? And all the time that we spend in his presence throughout the course of our life, we begin to cultivate this history, this relationship that is the most valuable thing that we'll ever have. Amen? 
And ministry is a joy because ministry is when we actually get to take from this, this relational history, from this treasure chest of, of memories and stories and words and testimonies, and then we get to, to deposit it into somebody's life. That's ministry in its purest, most childlike, simple form. We get in trouble and we hear this word like burnout in ministry when we just try to do, 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 and we're not drawing from the treasure chest, right? So when we spend time in, in intimacy, intimacy precedes ministry because uh, that's how it's supposed to go. All fruitfulness flows from intimacy with Jesus. All fruit comes from abiding in the vine of life, who is Jesus Christ. And I've, uh, I wasn't gonna preach on this, but I like lightning clouds. Lightning clouds, um, they're kind of, to me, a metaphor of, like, of ministry, like lightning strikes, kind of those ministry moments. Boom! God just kind of shoots through you and does something crazy, you know? Um, you know that lightning clouds, uh, the only time, interesting enough, that they actually, that lightning starts happening in a cloud is when they're seeded with a lot of water, the water of his word, right? So they have to have a ton of water, and what happens is there becomes this huge pressure differential. All the negative charge goes up top, all the positive charge comes in the bottom, and then they start swirling back and forth, and then, uh, in the, and then the, the charge just gets bigger and bigger as like the electrons and stuff like hit each other. Long story short, you get this huge charge, and then lightning actually starts striking within the cloud, and then periodically it actually strikes out of the cloud, and the percentage, it's about 90% of the lightning strikes happen inside the cloud, and 10% happen outside the cloud. And I think that, like, to me, that's just like this little metaphor that the Lord spoke to me one time of what a picture of ministry. I believe ministry is about 10% of the time. 90% of even when God speaks to us, it's actually to us. It's not through us. Um, that's what this, this posture, this life of getting really seated, like last week with the water, with his word, hearing his voice, spending time in the Bible, investing into relationship and intimacy and building a relationship, or a history with God, is actually what prepares us to have the times when the bolts strike out of us and boom, right? Whoa, how'd that happen? I don't really know. It just came out of my cultivated place of intimacy with the Lord. So I believe that most of our lives to be spent in intimacy and then ministry becomes a very joyful overflow of sharing our history with others. So here's the verse I was going to read. I knew I'd get there eventually. This is 2 Corinthians 3. I'm going to read verse 2 and 3. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says, You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. I love that verse. We are the message. We're a living message. We're a living prophetic word. We are the prophecy of God in the earth. God is doing something. The history and the story that he begins to write as we cultivate and spend time in his presence and time in his presence and learn to hear his voice and see the testimonies and see him moving and transforming us and changing us and speaking to us. And these treasures, we all of a sudden shift from, we're not, it's just not about giving prophetic words to people. Like that's a cool thing to do. Or I get these words of knowledge about people. I believe in that stuff. But that's not the goal. The goal is that you become a living message known and read by all. That your life is a living prophecy. That your life is this message that points to Jesus. That your life is this living, breathing thing that people, all they can see is Jesus. Right? You're a living miracle. Right? I love that. You're not written with tablets of stone. You're written on the tablet of your heart. And every time God does something, every time he speaks to you in the secret place, every time you know, a transforming or a breakthrough happens, there is a story being written, written on your heart. And it's a story to be known and read by all. But it happens first in you, and then it happens through you. Amen? So when I'm looking at this, you know, this big thing of our history with God, this is a huge topic. Um, I'm going to hone this in now to what does this mean for prophetic ministry. Um, prophetic ministry, the word prophetic has a lot of words, and it means like 30 different things to 30 different people. It just depends which 30 people those are and what kind of church and background they were raised in. 
right? And it's a, it bothers me because a lot of times we have this very hyper-spiritual, hyper-mystical understanding of the word prophecy, and we've kind of just chucked it out of our language because we think it's weird. Some people think it means, you know, you're telling the future, and you're going to tell when the next earthquake's going to strike. Now, God could do that, but like that's not really what prophecy is from a New Testament context when you really look into to what this is. Um, and my point, I'm, I'm going to kind of convey this in a real practical way here. I'm not really going to go into the, theological, the theology behind prophecy, but if you want that, uh, we're doing a spiritual gifts class, like they said in there, and it starts not next Sunday, but the one after. Um, and there, it really, we're going to go into a little deeper understanding of this stuff, and we've preached it before, but uh, that, that will be a place for that to really engage, ask questions, because I think it's really healthy. We need a healthy understanding of this. Um, but uh, this is something uh, that, that I want to define in a way that really um, makes it easy for us, because this is, this is my proposal. Um, I believe that prophecy is about the most simple thing for any Christian to ever do. I think it's so simple, and it's so easy, and it's so childlike that most of us miss it. It's one of those things that's right beneath our nose, and we miss it. Because we have poor definitions, poor understandings, and we make it so serious and complicated that we miss it. And we get all in a hissy about all these different things that it means. And my goal tonight is for you to come away feeling refreshed and going, oh my gosh, is it really that simple? Last week, we had, I'm going to tell your story, Joel. We had, I think, a seven, eight-year-old come and give a prophetic word to Joel last week after service that messed him up. He was crying on Tuesday telling me about it. He was crying on Sunday talking about it because he came in. They had the kids. The kids are in there learning how to connect with the voice of Jesus and the word of God, which those two things need to be together. Just putting that plug. Um, And they said, ask Jesus to give you a word for one of the adults in the service. And if you're feeling it, go for it. And he ran in, tapped him on the shoulder and said, you're loved and you're powerful. And you go ask him about it later because he'll tell you more. He'll be weeping. Um, I was like wanting to weep just him telling me about it. But it messed him up real good. And I was a little kid. They just said, wow, what do you want to say, Jesus? And stepped out and did it. We're made to hear his voice. John says in the gospel, John says, my sheep hear my voice and so they follow me. We are so wired to communicate with God. It's so easy. It's so you. Right? Like that's so you to hear from God. Okay. So that is my goal for you to come away going, oh my gosh, this is so me, okay? Let's see if I can do it now. Revelation 19.10 says this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we just talked about the testimony of Jesus in our life, right? Our history with God. This relational history that is spent from time, cultivating prayer, inspired prayer, connecting. We have these stories of his goodness, these stories of his grace, the stories of his working, the stories when he spoke this to me, the story when I did this, and then, like Joy said, then I had the Bible study, and then this, and then God spoke, and I knew it was God. The story when I was listening to the television, and randomly that said that, and I had just, you know, you know what I mean? We all have these stories. The stories when I was having a bad day, and no one would have ever known, and somebody called me and said this thing, and it pierced my heart, right? We get this story of all the times God has spoken to us, right? Like, all the time, in a million different ways, right? The story when I was walking there, the wind blew just right, that girl walked there, and I knew she's the one, right? Who's had that one? I know someone in here's had that one, especially when you get the young single men, which I am one, but I'm excluding myself from them right now. I'm speaking in pastoral authority, just so you know. But all it takes is the wind to blow the right way, and pretty much the Lord's speaking, you know? Thus saith the Lord. I'm just teasing. But the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So, our testimony, what he has done, is actually pointing to what he continues to do. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So your story, your testimonies, are gifts that you can give to people that prophesy to them. This is what Jesus is in the business of doing. Right? That's why when we're going through something, to, to talk with somebody that is already on the other side of the breakthrough and hear their testimony will infuse us with hope. Because it says, oh my gosh, if they did it for him, they can do it for me. 
right? It's prophetic. It's saying this is what God's going to do because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So you're a living prophetic word. Sometimes I see people bent up under the weight that they feel like, oh gosh, I got to conjure up this amazing prophetic word right now. Like, oh God, like, get, where's the word at, right? Has everybody ever been there? Raise your hand. Like, I'm sure there's a few, right? It's like, man, this person's really wanting to hear from God right now. Oh, speak, speak. Who's pulled the Samuel prayer? Speak, your servant's listening. (laughs) Speak something, right? We're like conjuring, trying to get like this ethereal revelation to come. Please let heaven come. Let heaven come, right? We've been here. We've all been here. I had a dream one time, one of the more um, pivotal dreams. I'm only going to share a small portion of it, um, but it was one of the most powerful times that the Lord spoke to me, and everything in this dream actually happened in real life months later down the road. But in this dream, I'd been asked by a very prominent, powerful preacher that I knew to preach at this church, and it happened in real life. So this is kind of real, I guess. It has more authority to me, but it happened later. But That's not the point. I'm standing in, in front of this big church full of people, And I got up there, and I had one of those moments in the dream. It was horrifying. Like, speak, speak. What do you want me to say? And I was literally sitting there, like, straining my ears to hear something. Horrifying. All these people just blank stares in this dream. I'm like, and I, like, like for the longest time in this dream, was just standing there trying to hear, could not hear a thing from God. Got to the point where in the dream, Somebody had to come and take the mic out of my hands and be like, God is good, or something like that to like save it. And I was just like, speak, speak. And I literally walked behind, like off the stage. I sat down and just started verbally beating myself up in this dream, like I have done, had done many times in my life up to that point, being so hard upon myself sitting here in this dream, just sitting down on the ground, just beating myself up. This preacher just asked me to speak at their church, and I couldn't say a word because you weren't speaking to me. And Jesus all of a sudden just came walking, and he stood right in front of me. And I've had very few dreams in my life with Jesus with this kind of quality where I could see him. And he looked at me, and he said, do you know why you failed? I said, no. And he said, you failed because you were looking for something out in the sky and straining to try to conjure something as if you don't have it. And he looked at me and he said, my kingdom is inside of you. And I was like, whoa, and I woke up. And I woke up. And I wrote it all down and then it happened later, so it really has a lot of authority in my life, this dream. But that to me is the same dynamic I see with people when they read verses like, uh, you know, and in that day all my sons and daughters will prophesy, you know, and then I hear you people say, well, I don't have that gift. And in fact, every time I try to exercise or I'm in a situation where somebody talks about it, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. And I don't right? Because I've tried to conjure it up a few times and nothing happened. It makes me feel unspiritual. And I don't like feeling unspiritual. Right? No one does. You don't want to feel unspiritual. Problem is, we don't recognize that our lives are living prophetic words. And God is not trying to get us to conjure up something from out there. He's wanting you to highlight the treasure that he's breathing on inside of you, the testimony that he's already done inside of you, that you can take it and then gift it to someone and prophesy it to them. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. And this is what he's telling me he's going to do for you. Because this is the truth about ministry. We minister out of who we are. We can't give someone what we don't have. Right? If you're, if you're still in the battle of, of sexual purity, you're not going to pray for someone and see them get delivered from it. Well, that doesn't make sense. Right? If you're, if, you're, if you're still struggling with, you know, getting to a place where really trusting your finances with the Lord, you're not going to be able to facilitate breakthrough in that area. But 
when you do get it, when you have pressed into that place, guess what you begin to have this testimony to be able to release to people in, right? Our ministries are birthed from our history with the Lord. Very often, the things that we go through, the places of pain, the places of trial, the places of testing, the places of tempting, that we overcome, those are the places we minister from. Those are the places we prophesy from. So we're not going to prophesy. We don't just like make things of nothing, like these total original ideas. Even the Bible itself, it was not made in a vacuum. It was shaped and influenced by culture and stories and life and people. Right? Like Jeremiah, the word of the Lord comes to him. He says, what do you see? And he says, I see an almond branch. And the Lord says, good, I'm watching over my word to see that it's performed. Because the word almond branch, is this, it's like a word play on the word watching over my word. God's like using these little games with him. Yeah, see? Almond branch. You got it. You're learning. Right? It's not like God's just like speaking in this vacuum to Jeremiah. He's speaking through life. He's speaking. He's like, hey, take a, to Ezekiel, take a hammer and throw it in the water. It's going to float. I don't get that one. But you know what I mean? Like, he's speaking through life. God is speaking through our circumstances and the people and the relationships and the dynamics. And he's writing a living prophetic word in you. When God starts putting on our heart, I've seen this, where people will start feeling the unction. That, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for that person at the gas station. Ooh, right? You start freaking out. And then we flip into conjure mode. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Hey, how are you? Yeah, just give me one of those. Okay, bye. Right? Like, we've, I've done that. I've done that. I've, been, I've literally had one time, there's a lady at the church. She was picking weeds at the last church I, at Eagle Nazarene. She's picking weeds, and I felt the Lord said, you need to go help her. And I didn't know why, and I went into conjure mode, and I literally drove home, felt so convicted. I turned around, drove all the way back to the church, went to get out of my car, was too afraid, got back in my car and drove home and started crying because I said, I got problems, Lord. I'm too afraid. Because <laughs> I didn't believe I had anything in me that was that valuable to give. So my, my, my suggestion here and my, my is that you have something too valuable to not give away. And when you start feeling an unction to pray with someone or talk with someone or share with someone, take a moment, and instead of last week, this is why I preceded this with last week, you don't just take your crayons and start drawing a picture. Just walk up to them, hi, the Lord has a word for you, and I think that you don't, you don't, don't do that. You're not going to draw something good, right? Prayer is not programmed. It's not mechanical. It's an art, right? Prophecy is not programmed and mechanical. It's an art. You craft it. You shape it. Your words are intentional. You're making something beautiful and giving them a gift. And for some people, prophecy looks like words. For some people, it looks like pictures. For some people, it looks like acts of service. For some people, it looks like hospitality. For some people, it just looks like being and giving the word of the Lord to people in the name of the Lord. Right? It doesn't have to look like, thus saith the Lord. It actually, it shouldn't look like, thus saith the Lord. Because last time I checked, nobody in here is that confident of saying, thus saith the Lord. Because we've all missed it before. At least I have. I feel like the Lord is saying this. Let other people discern if it's the Lord or not. Right? Okay. I want there a few practical things here. Um, prophecy, this is a huge misnomer. People think prophecy is a purely spontaneous thing. It is not a spontaneous thing. People, like, there is a spontaneous element to where you receive inspiration, right? Lord inspires, boom, I don't know why, I need to share this testimony of when the Lord did this for me with that person, and the Lord starts speaking out of that inspiration. We make a mistake sometimes of thinking, oh, I'm feeling inspiration, and I need to do it right now. Does that make sense? That's not a lot of times how the Lord works. A lot of times the Lord speaks to you. I have times where the Lord will speak to me about someone, and for months it's just kind of chewing in my mind, chewing in my heart. Then the day comes where it's just the, kind of the situations are right, and the Lord's like, now you can give it to them. Because I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. I've been praying this for them. I've been praying this for you for months sometimes. And I've been crafting it in my mind as I've been, okay, what are you saying? And I've been kind of putting it and piecing it together. And this is the same in the Bible. There's times where the, the prophet gets spoken to and he lives like 100 miles away from the king he's supposed to give the word to. So what's he doing? That long walk. <laughs> Anybody ever walked 100 miles to give a word to somebody? 
Trust me, you're going to be thinking about that word. Okay, yes. You know, you're like playing it in over your head. Some people like to write things. I would suggest that. Write things down. Someone puts a burden, the Lord puts a burden on some way. Say, okay, Lord, I'm feeling a burden for this person. Then you step back and say, okay, I need inspiration. Right? What are you anointing? What is it that I have to give? And he'll start reminding you of things. Do you know that most of the words, the prophetic words that the Lord puts on my heart to give to people are ones he's given to me in the secret place through other people? I'm simply re-gifting the beauty of what Jesus has given to me. When he's not speaking in a vacuum, he's speaking through you. You have so much to give. Prophecy is not scary. Prophecy is very, very normal. It's very natural. It's very not weird. People can make it weird. Don't make it weird. Just don't be weird. Like seriously, just don't be weird. You don't have to be weird about it. You can go, you can go to someone in Target. Say, I don't know why. But, okay, a few more dynamics actually. I'm not going to go that far yet. But it's not purely spontaneous. Inspiration is spontaneous. Crafting takes time. You have permission to craft. You don't have to do it immediately. Amen? All right. Uh, yeah, art is unique, so his word through you is going to be very unique. It looks like you. It looks like you. Just you. Nobody else. Just you. How does the Lord speak to you? That's how he's going to speak through you. Okay. A few other little practical tips. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. It tells us, I'm just going to read it to you. If I can find it. There we go. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully. The biggest way that I see Christians despise prophetic utterance and therefore quench the spirit is they actually despise it through you. You don't despise it through other people, you despise it through yourself. You don't give your, yourself permission that you really hear from God. And this is, I've seen people, they water down when they think the Lord's speaking. They water it down and make it really, really safe. So like I've, I've had these types of instances where I've talked with people who, like, they'll see a vision. They'll have a picture in their head, which, again, is not a weird thing. It's very normal. It's kind of all throughout the Bible. They'll have it, they'll see it, and then they'll go and they'll pray it to someone or they'll present it in a very vague way. And they'll say, and I've heard people say, well, I think that's fine because that, you know, I still prayed it. I said, yeah, but it loses its, its clarity. It, you, it loses its quality. Like there's times when I've, the, the, the Lord's prompted me to say, like I had these three, four high school kids in front of me, probably like 20 years old. And the one on the far left the Lord's, I had a picture in my mind of them going skydiving, but these three were afraid and didn't want to go, and this one did, and he was like, please go with me, please go with me. And I was like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'm going for it. So I said, hey, you really want to go skydiving? You're trying to convince these three to go, and you guys are terrified. They're like, what the heck? They're like, we're trying to go this afternoon. He's trying to get us to go, and we're all scared. I was as mind blown as they were. I just had to act like I wasn't. So it gives you more, uh, you know, you can kind of speak to him more. Then the Lord goes, and he really wants a dirt bike. I said, you want a dirt bike. <laughs> we were looking at him this morning. How did you know that? I don't know. I just spoke what I saw. Right? After they got the reactions, then I was confident I had heard from the Lord. But you just act like you're confident until, you know. No, but honestly, honestly, effective delivery is bold and humble. Bold in that you just speak it. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Like, I'm really going to go for it here. I'm going to go for it so much so that if it's not God, I have to humble myself. Say I missed it. Because, again, we're not despising prophecy. We're receiving it, but we're examining everything carefully. Just because someone thinks it's God doesn't mean it's God. 
You know God's voice. They know God's voice. It's a powerful interaction between two powerful people. And if you're worried about people that say, I don't know God's voice in the world, if it doesn't resonate with them, they're not going to worry about it. promise you. You're like, oh, but I told them the wrong word. They don't care. They really don't. They're just going to be like, oh, hey, that was nice. They tried to bless me. They tried to love me. The point is love. Our job is to love well. Our job is to treat them with honor, with respect, and then step out. Be bold. Be bold. And then if you're wrong, humble yourself. It's okay to be wrong. God doesn't celebrate perfection. He celebrates progress. The way that you progress is you get up when you fail and you go again. That's how you learn to walk. That's how you learn to talk. That's how you learn to speak his voice. And hear his voice. Amen? You know that so many people don't have confidence that they hear from God because they don't test it. They don't put it where the metal rubber hits the road. Well, I hear from him in the secret place all the time, but I'm kind of wondering if it's him or not. Well, if they put your word, <laughs> test it out with somebody, you know? See what happens. See if they cry. If they cry, God's speaking. <laughs> That's kind of my, like, unofficial you know, meter. Last thing, language and tone should match the word that you're giving. And this goes back again to prophecy is not a spontaneous phenomenon. It's crafted. A lot of times we, you know, the Lord starts maybe taking you back to a place um, where he spoke to you in a really tender time about comforting your pain and binding your broken heart. And I've had many of those. And then he, he starts putting that on you and says, I, I want you to go and I want you to tell this person. You know, you start just kind of being reminded, oh, wow, and you need to go give that type of word to somebody. Uh, it would be very inappropriate if you were like, and the Lord loves you and he's binding up your broken heart. It'd be like, ah, ah, ah. right? It'd be like, weird, again. Are you following me? Like sometimes we think that God has like one tone of voice and it's yelling. I want to get myself in trouble, but some people only pray with one tone of voice and it's yelling. I used to be one of those people, so I just thought that's what the anointing was. That's not what the anointing is, right? Inspiration, yes, you can be passionate. I love yelling. I love screaming. I love the people that, you know, like, I love it. I love passion, but it doesn't always look like that, right? Like, you have to think here that it's God having a conversation through you. So if two friends are talking about a tender subject, how are you going to talk? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, no, that's not how you talk. If you had coffee with someone doing that, they'd freak out. Okay, God's no different. His heart's tender sometimes. Sometimes he's a roaring lion. Sometimes he's a lamb. We got to hear his voice. We got to spend time crafting. Okay, what are you saying? How are you saying it? Like, what... What's the intonation of your voice when you say this? What do your eyes look like when you say this? What does love look like? What, are you smiling? Are you sad? Are you crying? Are you happy, right? This is where it's intimacy, then ministry. And a lot of reasons that people are, have a real, they're muffed with prof, prophecy is because people do stupid things in the name of prophecy, Let's not be those people. And let's not be afraid of making mistakes. There's some mistakes that are okay. Like you got the word wrong. That's okay. But at least we're spending the time to do it right. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be hard on anybody. I'm just trying to be like speaking honest from my own experiences, my own stories, and my own learning journey here. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And it's so easy because it looks like you. It looks like you like the same way that you talk with your friends. It looks like you talking for God. We'll leave it at that. If you have questions, come to spiritual gifts class. I intentionally made this incomplete. Um, secondly, I'm just going to talk about healing ministry for a little bit, which we've only kind of gradually untapped this topic as a, as a community. Um, we all have a role to pray for the sick. James 5 says this, is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church and there to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 39% um, of the Gospels 
are recording healing miracles. 39%. Right? There's a reason that these are so emphasized, and it's because it is a vital and dynamic part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In America, people say this doesn't happen in America. That's not true. It does happen in America. It does not happen perhaps with as much consistency or amount, but it happens in America. I've seen, this, I've seen miracles in America. I've seen miracles in the third world. I have seen more and more miracles in the third world, but I have seen them in America. And God is the same God of Africa and South America and Asia as he is of America. And he is still healing today. When I was in college, I was raised in the church and I never knew God healed. And that is probably a story that many in this room relate to, and that's okay. Um, and when I had first heard testimonies of healing, I immediately scoffed at them and was offended and uh, said, whatever, that's not true. Uh, I, it was very difficult for me to cope with an idea that God could heal, and I didn't have it. I don't know why, um, but there's just something, you know, spiritual pride, pride in me, that's why. Um, poor in spirit, when they hear something they don't have, they don't try to convince and act as if they do. And a lot of times we do that in the church. This is a side note, but uh, you can tell if you're poor in spirit based on when someone tells you a testimony of something that you want but you don't have, how you react to it. Because the poor will get hungry and the prideful will try to convince themselves why they're so satisfied. And that's usually in the form of intellectually trying to bring their, their they try to bring the Bible down and kind of philosophize and, and theologize and intellectualize why they're wrong, and why what they're experiencing is it. Which is really a bummer, if you think about it, from like a long-term perspective, because you're kind of cementing yourself in to a less than full experience of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want the full experience that the Bible tells me so. I don't want it to be over-emotional. I don't want it to be over-emphasized. I don't think it's all about miracles. In fact, my heart is really holiness unto the Lord, but I do believe in the gospel of miracles, and I believe that it's a powerful thing that God comes and he heals, and he heals bodies, and he opens blind eyes, and he opens deaf ears, deaf ears, and he heals bones. And I've seen this all with my own eyes as I have prayed for people. I've heard a lot of testimonies too, but I'm giving you eyewitness account of what I have seen my Jesus do to people both in America and abroad. And I believe that as a church, it is uh, an inheritance that has been stolen, and it's a birthright that we have given away um, because of disappointment. And my story uh, started, so I was offended, and uh, I'm jumping all around, and I'm like a box of frogs. Um, my story started, I was offended, but I wanted it. And I actually would think I was offended because there was something in me that was like, if God's doing that, I want to see it myself. Right? If God's really opening blind eyes, then I want to see it myself. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. There's something about us that we, we live and long to see impossibilities bow to the name of Jesus. It's our birthright. It's our inheritance. It's who we are as the sons and daughters of God. The miracle realm is just normal in heaven. That's why there's no impossibilities. Right? So we're actually longing for home. That's why we long to see powerful manifestations of the kingdom of God is because it makes us feel at home. And when we really get down to the deep core level, there is a deep homesickness in each one of us that we only can come in touch with at certain times, but it's there and it drives us. And when we see the miraculous, we're seeing Jesus. And we're beholding his face. So the reason I pursue healing is because I'm pursuing his face. And I want to behold him and I want to go home. Because I'm an alien here. And this is a foreign land with a lot of pain and brokenness and devastation. I'm desiring home. Paul says, I'd rather go home, but for me to stay means fruitful labor. I want to be fruitful labor as I'm here. I'm all over the place, but the Lord spoke to me one day and said, Jordan, you want to see people get healed? This is the most profound thing, by the way, that I, I've ever heard on healing because it came from the Lord. <laughs> it probably won't be for you, but it was for me. He said, you want to see healing? Pray for people to get healed. 
And honestly, that set me free because I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. I think I was waiting for Gabriel to come and start blowing a trumpet and say, you need to pray for this guy. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I do. Boom, healed, right? That was kind of what I was waiting for. That was my desired transaction of healing. And it was like, God's like, yeah, just pray for him. I was like, I can do that? Are you serious? And man, it lit a fire in me. There have been times I literally stopped my car on the side of the road and chased people down on sidewalks. I started chasing people down on my college campus. I went from offended to like, wow, I'm one of those weird people that offended me. Like pretty much in like a year. I don't know exactly what happened. But I just started um, praying for people. And I realized I had permission as a son of God, to pray for people, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I prayed and I started praying, praying, praying. People said they have a headache. Hey, can I pray for you? I got a toothache. Can I pray for you? I got a backache. Can I pray for you? Anything. Can I just pray for you? Because I just want to see, is this real? Right? And from that, I started seeing healing and they started happening. And, you know, it was, it was a long story. It wasn't snap, crackle, pop. It was just kind of perseverance. Uh, but I, I've began and I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the healing um, and I desire to see more. And we're going to see more in India, and I want to see more here. Um, but what I did not foresee about pursuing healing, the healing anointing, is that it is a walk of humility. Because you realize the further that you go down it, you do see healing, but you see a lot of people that don't get healed too. And people always want to say, why? Why? I don't know why. But I have realized it's not my job to understand it's just my job to be obedient. And we're told to go and heal the sick. And we're told to pray for people. And we're told to pray for healing. We're not told to understand. He doesn't come and give us the systematic theology of exactly why. He leaves it very ambiguous. We're just told to pray. And I don't understand why. And I never will. And the more I see, the more the question could be a bird, but I just choose not to do it. I don't know why. But I have realized this is that disappointment will steal our birthright if we let it. People have stories. Well, I was praying for this and it didn't happen. I was praying for this person to get healed. They didn't get healed. And then they stop praying. And they give up. I know someone very well. My mom battled for years uh, with this individual. Cancer. She died. And I know many people that quote that story as the reason for why they no longer pray for healing. And I had a conversation with the man, a man of God, about this. And I looked at him and I said, you know she was a fighter and she fought for a decade and she fought tooth and nail to the bitter end. He said, I know she did. I said, do you think she would want the people who loved her to give up and stop praying so that someone else could get a breakthrough another day? Would that be the legacy she wanted? And he just tears down his eyes. He's like, no, no. And he's like, I'm convicted. I've given up. I've stopped fighting. And many stop fighting, and we get offended with God, really, and we stop asking, and we stop seeking. And I'd be lying if I said I haven't been pretty disappointed many times. I don't understand. But the Lord tells us to ask and keep asking, and knock and keep knocking, and seek and keep seeking. We're just told to be obedient. And I've realized it's not our job to heal, and it never will be. It's our job to love. And sometimes love looks like praying for healing. It doesn't look like demanding it. I am not in the stream where I think you should pray for someone for 12 times, and if they don't get healed, you pray for them a 13th time. Um, I think you can pray a few times, um, but it's about love. And when it switched to you're no longer loving someone, but you're praying just because you want to see a miracle, that's where your discernment should stop and you should stop praying, because I've seen that abused, and I don't really like it. It's about loving people and honoring people and praying for people. Amen? A few mistakes I've seen, practically speaking, uh, is when we're praying for healing, um, don't overpray. I've been in environments uh, where there's like someone that really needs healing and it's real and like 30 people will gather around them and honest to God, pray for like an hour or an hour to pray. And everyone kind of prays the same prayer because there's really only one prayer to pray, right? Like healing right? And they overpray, and people can veer to this point where they start trying to convince God, like we're begging God to do something, 
And there's a guy named Randy Clark who has an amazing healing ministry. And he says, you know, when, when you think you have to beg God to heal, you're actually telling him you think you have more mercy than he does. You know, so we're not begging Jesus. By his stripes, we're healed. He paid for on the cross. We're just praying the prayer of faith. And Jesus', Jesus prayers aren't very long. It's like, be healed. Wipe the mud. Go clean yourself. They're healed. I'm not even going to pray. Just go. You know, like, he's not, he's, he's not praying these amazing, beautiful sonnets of prayers. Sometimes we think it's the length of our prayer that's moving. It's not. It's just, it's very quick prayer. Um, so don't overpray. Um, and then the other thing is um, test it. Have people test it. And again, a lot of times people won't have people test it because they just prayed for an hour. And then if they're not healed, it's like, did we just waste an hour? You know what I mean? And it just puts this person in an uncomfortable situation. So I just try to practically, when I'm praying for people, I try to take pressure off them and just say, hey, okay, I'm just going to pray for you. I've prayed for a lot of people on the streets, prayed for a lot of people in the church, prayed for a lot of people different places. And it's just, hey, can I pray for you? And I'm just like, okay, and I'll just pray a real quick prayer. Hey, could you test it out? Does it feel any better? No, no, no. No, sometimes I'll pray one more time. Sometimes it's like, okay, no, I just want to love this. You know, it's like, it's very relational. Um, but don't overpray and have people test it because there's something about when you have people test it, it like makes them activate their faith too. Like, okay, you know, and we can't be afraid of disappointment, you know, because you're not doing anybody a disservice by praying for them. You're praying for them. Like, and if it doesn't happen, do not ever, this is, this is probably one of my big things, don't ever put it on someone that it's because they don't have enough faith or something's wrong with them. Sometimes we act as if a mustard seed faith is really somehow like a lot of faith. It's not. Mustard seed's not. Like for me, if someone lets you pray for them, that's a mustard seed. That's enough faith. We're not talking about, you know what I mean? It's not like some metaphor of somehow mustard seed's really a lot. It's not. Just enough. Will you come for prayer? Will you ask for prayer? Will you, like that's enough, all right? So don't put it on people. Uh, we don't understand. We don't understand. Sometimes you have to sit in the tension of not understand, but you can love. So love well. Um, lastly, uh, listen to Jesus and do what he tells you. That's kind of how I do it. I was praying for this lady. This one just kind of cracked me up. I was praying in India, and this lady came. She had bad knees, and uh, all the people were, like, watching me. So it's kind of high-pressure prayer. <laughs> and I'm, like, kneeling down and praying for her knees. And Jesus says, I want you to clap your hands and worship me. <laughs> I was like, there's like 12 people watching me. They're going to think I'm crazy. So I was kind of like, Jesus, I love you. Like, I literally was like, I really thank you, Jesus. Clap your hands. And I was like, okay, uh, can you test your knee out? And she just like bent. And she was like, oh, like her face was just like shooting pain. And I was like, oh, crap. And then she was like, thank you and went to walk away. And I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I was like, one more time. And so I just started clapping my hands like an idiot and just singing this stupid song and uh I said will you, will you try it again she went down she, and just no pain she was good she got healed walked away pain-free because of my obedience right sometimes the Lord will tell you to do something that might seem a little silly do it and you say well I might not have been God it's okay he honors your faith just obey sound good um, again, I did not go deep into the theology of healing ministry intentionally. Uh, we're going to do that in a classroom setting. I think some things are better touched in a classroom than they are from a pulpit. And so sign up for the class. You can go to the info booth, put your name on it, and, and we'll be going very deep into this. There'll be a space for question and answer. And I really want people to, to be able to engage and express, you know, just the tension of this, because there's a lot of tension in this. Um, but my heart and my desire for sharing these things is these are both, these are two giftings that I'm very passionate about and things that I've seen in my life. And so when creating a culture, um, as far as a church culture, my desire is to create this a space where it's not about what God is doing through an individual, through me, or through the anointed ones. Uh, we are the anointed ones. We are a priesthood. And God wants to bring healing to a city through you. And he wants to speak to a city. That's kind of cool. It's raining. It's the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak through us. He wants to heal through us. He wants to make that part of our culture as a people. So we're going to close tonight um, with a couple different things. First, we're going to have um, prophetic ministry. 
Uh, some of you have never experienced this. I would highly encourage you to go. Um, where are the booths at? Okay, so they're going to be in the back hallway. You can come and sign up here. There's going to be six teams of, of three people each, which will be two adults and one of the Riverhouse kids. So it's going to be awesome. They're going to pray over you, and they're going to hear for Jesus as well. And as you saw from Little Trinity, <laughs> they're seeing some stuff that I'm not. So I'm going in there afterwards as well. Um, so we really want you. It's a space to go and experience this. What does this look like? Children can do it. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, I establish strength. He can speak through anyone, right? Um, so that's going to be back there. Worship team, you can come up right now. We're going to sing one more song. And I specifically, I, I want to pray for healing. If you, need, if you have ailments in your body, I want to pray for healing. Uh, any, anything. Um, I'm, I'm going to be up here um, during the song, and you can come forward, and, and I'm going to pray for you. Uh, and, yeah, you can go out, and you can get it. You can start. Maybe prayer team. You want to just go out now? Okay, so prayer team's going to go out now. Kids are going to get out there with the prayer teams. And you can feel free during this song. You can walk out those doors. They will instruct you where to go. Um, and I really want to create a space for everyone that wants to be prayed for to get prayed for. We've been doing this whole series five weeks. It's been about prayer with God. Tonight is the night about through us. Doesn't that sound fun? You guys don't look very happy. Some of you look nervous. Are you nervous? That's okay. It'll be great. So I just want to pray. And then we'll go, so you guys can start playing. Actually, stand up. I want everybody to stand up. Lord Jesus, I thank you that these are your people called by your name. I thank you that your spirit is in them, that your spirit is upon them. And I thank you, God, that they are... Uh, just ridiculously anointed by you. God, I pray that you open our hearts and our eyes to see just how much of your spirit is in us, to see that we're living prophetic words, God, to see that we have your spirit so alive within us that the world is just desiring and hungering for what we have. God, I pray that you activate your spirit within us. I pray that you activate ears, that you activate eyes, that you activate hands, that you activate feet, God, and that you make us living epistles in this city. God, may we be letters of Christ read by all men in the streets of Boise, in the classrooms of Boise, in the small businesses of Boise, in the corporate offices of Boise, in the campuses of Boise, God. I pray that we'll be living epistles across this whole valley, God, that where we go, we're, we're, we are living prophetic words read and known by all men that, that proclaim the goodness in the, in, the, in the faithfulness of our God. Jesus, I thank you that it's just a natural expression of ourselves, that it's putting your intentionality and squeezing. It's like we're a handful of grapes, and you're squeezing your kingdom in us to get it through us, God. And I pray that you get it through us in Jesus' mighty name. So I pray tonight that you speak. I pray that you heal. I pray that you bring breakthrough. I pray that you transform our thinking and our minds. God, I pray that you realize, you open our minds to realize that you want to use us, that all creation's yearning for us to wake up to who we are, to be used by you to transform a city, to turn a world upside down. Let the streets of Boise be like the streets of Ephesus where people see the Christians and say, these are the men and the women that turn the world upside down. We thank you for your spirit, God. And I ask that you fall fresh on us. I ask that you fire us up, God, like a burning flame of fire, God, that we can't contain you anymore. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.